podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Hello and welcome to week 24 of the Foot Weekly Podcast. This is a gameplay pod and... As some of you may have seen in his newsletter, Japes has a new tactic, so he's here to talk about it. Hello, Japes. Hello, Ben. Uh, good to have you. And we also have on this podcast, as we often do on Gameplay, Hubert, welcome back. Thank you for having me again. Sorry, I didn't give you your top two NA player introduction, so there it is. And we've also got Josh Spreadsheet FIFA. Welcome back to the Gameplay pod. Where's my top two million European player <laughs> gameplay introduction? Come on now. Do you know what? Do you, do you think you'd be higher than top 2 million? Possibly. Yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd say top 100,000. I, I, I but think I'd be safe there. That sounds pretty good considering the population of Europe. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, not bad. No, not top um, 2 though, is it? Like, I'm, I'm saying population of Europe, but they're not all playing foot or FIFA, right? So, <laughs> I guess um, something to bear in mind too. And let's talk uh, straight away about player reviews. It's an interesting one, actually, because I think Hugh and I both used... The same player over the last week I mentioned, being very fortunate and packing a tradable Bobby Firmino uh, road to the final. I think he was yours, untradable, so you're somewhat forced into him, or was he tradable too? No, I just bought one uh, to try Oh, out. you bought one? Okay. Yeah, but I, I sold him already, but I, I just wanted to try Yeah, because I heard from you that you didn't particularly get on with him. Do you want to just, I guess, give him a review? Because it doesn't need to necessarily be a rave review. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely good, but just for like a million coin card, he just felt... Mm kind of like an awkward you know halfway player which i mean based on how he is in real life kind of makes sense like he's not really a striker he's not really a midfielder i tried him as an attacking right center mid in a 4-3-3 and as a right forward in a 3-4-2-1 and in both like he just didn't feel quite the best like he wasn't quite nimble enough as an attacker um just probably because i don't do a ton of skills but then as a center mid he wasn't that great defensively which wasn't a surprise, but he just didn't really do enough in an attacking sense to make up for it. So he was pretty good. I mean, obviously, if you have him, I would definitely use him. But especially now that it seems quite unlikely that Liverpool will get upgraded, I probably wouldn't be looking at buying him. Yeah, he was an interesting one for me because I was initially using him in midfield and I thought he was good, but not great. And I guess I do like some defensive stats on the midfielders. Um, I found he was decent if you put a shadow on him he's kind of okay defensively um, but his finishing kind of suffered and his shot power isn't amazing so I think that was a factor too his positioning is great but I actually found that he was really quite good as a winger in Japes 5-2-2-1 which sort of surprised me quite a bit because it's not really a position you associate with Firmino but um, obviously I do like to do some skills so maybe that was helping but was surprised how he's kind of got this like really direct running animation and running style and because he's kind of aggressive and, and strong not super aggressive and strong but aggressive and strong he seemed to be able to kind of get the right lines with his runs on goal and be a threat not I had Mbappe on the other side he wasn't quite Mbappe level but he actually wasn't dissimilar in terms of 
his kind of performance, the goals, assists, and his passing from that position was really, really nice. He always made every pass. He feels super, super smooth on the ball. It's weird. He's one of these players that his entire dribbling category, I say one of these players, there are very few, his entire dribbling stat category is all 94s. Um, and you do feel that. It's a very, very high tier level of dribbling and he's very well balanced, very agile. Uh, yeah, his quick reactions, composure is good and um, he feels like top tier on the ball even when you're not boosting his dribbling. So that's great. So I liked him a lot, but again, as you're saying, a million coins, not going to get an upgrade probably. So yeah, it's not really um, a player that I would recommend, but he was fun to use. Um, Japes, from your perspective, any players you want to mention? I know you've gone back to the trusty voller, but have you been trying out any other players? Any take-homes on players you've used? The one thing, I used Prime Philip Lom uh, for a minute. Oh, okay. And mm. I think the kind of TLDR with him is... I, like I've gone back to using I have an untradeable World Cup Dirk Kout and I think I just prefer a player that's a little bit more attacking okay. in those wide positions. Not that like Philip Lom has good attack, attacking stats and the defensive ability is nice but I just don't feel like it's super necessary. Kout is just one of those weird cards that you can just sort of like stick in anywhere like literally anywhere i guess much the way he was in real life you just sort of like stick him in and he's like f very fine like mm. he never lets me down he's not gonna go out and win a match himself but like i'm not gonna be like ah oh, like not count you know yeah no i agree with that and uh anyone yourself josh that you've used recently you wanted to comment on well i was wanting to test out a theory i had on in, I, I mentioned last week that i'd switched from old gen to current gen mm. as i got told to call it um <laughs> and um i won i there was an spc that was released it was a bit of a bit of a surprise and it was holstenberg's uh man of the match spc he was really cheap and what i saw in him was his pace split is mad he's got loads of sprint speed and not a lot of acceleration mm. is obviously lengthy and so i wanted to try a center back with massive sprint speed and poor acceleration on current gen or new gen with the, with accelerate to see if I could see what I kind of noticed. Center backs that tended to do well against me always had high sprint speed. Their acceleration almost seemed to not matter, and he was unbelievable. He was like unbelievable. Mm. His pace is ridiculous because it's very rare. I, I, I like to hold the ball a lot, so it's very rare that I'm not being countered and someone's just holding the ball and passing it around me. So the the sort of short bursts don't really affect me all too much. Up to speed, he caught up to everybody because with a shadow, which is what I played him on, he's got that 97 sprint speed. And I also just love having a left-footed left center back because it it there's there's something very traditionally you know, Brexit 442 about it, but having the right foot, like the, sorry, or left foot even, on the correct side, like having a correct footed player, as it feels like to me, often helps. It helps with the switches to the opposite wings. If he needs to pass short, his passing actually is really, really good for a centre-back. Um, and even his dribbling, his agility and balance is poor, but I can kind of forgive that because he's got 89 base reactions on his card. So he surprised me. He was one of those that I think people may have slightly overlooked when he came out, and I really enjoyed him. I didn't notice medium defensive work rate and high attacking work rate. I, I 
it seems like midfield is where I feel that mm. the most. Sometimes I can feel medium attacking work rate on a, on a striker, but defenders, I don't tend to notice it too much. Um, but yeah, he was he was one that I really enjoyed. I think he's still got a few days. I th- yeah, he's still available for another five or six days. So um, if you're in need of a budget Bundesliga centre-back, he was brilliant for me. Mm, yeah. That's, that's a great shout. I also think stamina is slightly underrated on centre-backs, actually. I was noticing it has 91. Um, you know, if you play any kind of pressing tactic, it's nice when you have a centre-back that still has high stamina towards the end of a game. So that's good as well. Also, I was going to say, actually, I uh, got down to trying the, the prime Maldini um, and I was interested in whether he, just with lengthy and anchor, despite having not super high pace, bear in mind I'm used to Carlos Alberto with a shadow, whether he would be good enough or fast enough to play as an outside centre-back. And actually, he felt like he was. And then I faced De Ketelet, who someone had, I don't know, I think it's Marksman, isn't it, that makes him lengthy. They had Marksman on him. And I think it's that thing of like, Haustenberg, for example, yes, he's lengthy, so he's going to be able to chase down explosive and controlled players because he has that kind of compensation in terms of his pace. But when you come up against a lengthy player who has higher base pace, then they start to struggle a bit more. But it's kind of fine because actually very few people are using lengthy forwards now. I hardly come up against any. And I think De Ketelet is maybe the only one that I would do on a semi-frequent basis. So I think you can get away with like a lengthy centre-back who's a bit slower. It is interesting that there's been a bit of a shift in terms of the attacking meta, which kind of means you can use these lengthy centre-backs, I think, a bit more comfortably, even if they don't have the high pace. But that being said, Carlos Alberto, still clear. But yeah, I wanted to move us on to Japes, the 5-2-2-1, which you put out in your newsletter. So the full detail in terms of instructions, um, tactics, uh, everything uh, that you'd need to copy it um, will be there. But on this podcast, it'd be good to kind of get an overview of how it works and what kind of the goal was, you know, the context around it and all that stuff. I guess we can start with the the goals. Uh, I think there's a lot of unsurprised or surprise to no one. Four, three, two, one players who here's this is like the I'm going to go on a tangent here real quick. Uh, the four, three, two, one, such like a weird it's like a conundrum for me with FIFA because the concept of why the formation works. I'm such a fan of that type of concept being in FIFA. Mm. where you can have overlapping fullbacks and like you know dynamic midfielders that can control the game and there, there's just like a lot of things to, to like about the idea behind that but the the problem is the defensive ai does not react appropriately to that formation it's like the left forward and right forward position or there are two center forwards now whatever they are the defensive AI, specifically the center backs, are like, oh, I don't know what to do with these players. So they oftentimes just like split and leave these huge gaps for easy through balls. And that's, it's just kind of like an issue. And it's not that like straightforward to deal with that in like a traditional four back setup. I think also, obviously, one of the benefits is you can have one of your midfield or one of your forwards drop into a four man midfield mm. in the four, three, two, one. And then you get the benefit of that as well, which is like, I mean, I've been building tactics where you have four midfielders drop back all year long. Um, mm. It just seems to be better. So yeah. give that benefit too. And I, and I guess you've probably, now you're starting to see people play the 3-4-2-1, which like counters it in kind of a similar way to this 
two two one. But I I started thinking about like Tuchel's time at Chelsea, where he sort of had like a roaming ten and Mason Mount, and he had two like forwards, but they really started like kind of far wide and like attacked the space in behind. You know, marauding fullbacks, two players in the midfield that can hold the ball pretty well, progress possession. And I was like, ah, my like my team kind of suits this. I think it would match up nicely with the four three two one. You get three center backs against the three attackers. You have a left wing back and a right wing back that can mark any of the fullbacks that are going to overlap. You have two CMs that sit in between their three CMs. And then you get the benefit of having three attackers that allow you to play aggressively on the counter. Uh, and exploit the fullbacks are out of position. So that was kind of the... yeah. And I guess the other thing is the striker is set to a false nine. And so he's sort of sitting in the space between the back line, trying to draw the center backs even further out of position to allow for your wide attackers to attack that space as well. And and I think for the most part, like it, it actually kind of plays that way. Mm. Real quick to, the, to go to it, the defensive structure is press on possession loss, 29 width, 94 depth, balance balance on build up and then one with one players in the box one corners and free kicks and then the wingers are stay forward cut inside get in behind get into the box strikers stay central stay forward false nine uh lcm and rcm are both cover center you're not telling them to stay back because you kind of need the extra support in the attack from them and then remember you have your three center backs that are still just sitting there. And really it ends up being three center backs and a fullback that are kind of staying back because you have your fullbacks just on default, which means that one of them is like eager to get back. If you're not attacking from his side, even though they both move forward in the attack, but because you don't have them on always overlap or join the attack, they're not sitting up next to your strikers. Mm. So it, it kind of works out that way. But like the, it's kind of, you're like intending to create chaos with this formation you're rapidly trying to press. You can aggressively manually defend by grabbing hold of your central CB, who I have Vieira in that position. I think that's where, like, if you're going to get the best out of Vieira, it's when you can manually control him and let him use his spider legs. Mm -hmm. And so I use him as the central one. I switch to him pretty aggressively and just try to take the ball away from people. Because if you... What's weird about this defensively is if you manually try to control the left center back and the right center back and pull them too far out of position, it just leaves these gaping holes for through balls. So you have to be really, really careful about that. But that's that's kind of the tactic in a nutshell. I think it plays the way you would expect it to play. Like you, you just have to play pretty direct, I would say. Yeah. Because if you try to let your if you let your opponent get like too set up you can run into some problems with it. And, I, and I'm not sure it's like a like truly elite, elite meta formation. Like you have to go in with the knowledge of what it's supposed to do. You have to be a pretty strong manual defender and you have to have like a pretty good grasp of how to manually trigger runs being either L1 to tell your player to make a run forward or R1 or RB to tell your, especially your wingers to come back. Because I think that's how like build up because you have the wingers on get in behind their default is they're going to just start running in behind. So if you don't use the come back instruction, it can make finding that winger like as an outlet from the back a little bit tricky. So get in the habit of calling those wingers short. Mm. And one thing I was interested in particularly was in this tactic, I felt like the wingers actually 
were much more intelligent than the wingers in any other formation that I've used. So presumably it's the instructions, but also potentially uh, the fact that you've got wing backs, I suppose, and the two CMs might change the way that they move. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's weird. It just is like, I, I think I made this comment to you, Ben, where I was like, the wingers act the way good wingers in pro clubs act, if that makes sense. Mm. They seem to take up these positions between the outside back and the center back, and they like attack space very aggressively in a way that like I, it just doesn't seem to work. And even I've tried it with the four three three as well, using the same like frontline setup, and it's st- it just doesn't quite work the same either. Mm. So it just I don't know. It seems to be like one of those, which, which is like what makes the formation like it's really really fun to play with wingers like that. Yeah, and it just. You know, it's just something a little fresh, a little different and, you know, playing, it matches up pretty well with a lot of the like, quote unquote, meta formations. Yeah. And one thing that is just mad is how well those players exploit the uh, fullbacks if they go forwards, like the amount of times you just get like a three on three, even a a three on two, I suppose, if the opponent's sending both fullbacks forward is really, really good. And it kind of seems to bypass the opponent's midfield. You have to be pretty direct, right? That's a big thing to say. And very like aggressive with your forward passing. Well, you're not going to win a midfield battle. Like you have, mm. no matter really like whatever formation you're playing, you have two CMs. So yes, your outside backs will support in that mm. as like kind of faux, like left mid and right mid, but they stay pretty wide. Yeah. And... If your CMs get into trouble where they're getting pressed, you have to go backwards to go forwards as well, which is, I mean, totally fine. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like having having CBs that can make that crossfield pass is important. Like I have, um, uh, my back line is World Cup Blanc, World Cup Vieira, and mid Desai. I think he's mid. The 88 CB Desai. I think that's a mid one. Mm-hmm. And Desai's, even his like long passing is like fairly decent like they all have fairly decent passing and if they didn't have fairly decent passing i would be in hot water at times yeah i was gonna say one thing that i did want to ask about into the tactic that i think i struggled with uh, i'd be interested to know Hugh's thoughts on this as well is like i did find it quite difficult and it may just be because i do trigger manual like runs and movements with say r1 and l1 but i often found if my opponent did get set I then sort of struggled to build up and I, or I didn't eventually struggle to build up, but it felt like the fullbacks maybe took a bit of time to get involved. And sometimes yep. it wasn't so easy to recycle the ball as perhaps I was used to in other tactics. Would you say that's fair and just something that you have to kind of work around? Yeah. You also have to recognize you're not uh, recycling the ball through the middle. Mm. So recycling in this formation looks like uh, say say you have it with one of your CMs and they're back they're set up and there's like no way through there's just very clearly no way through you have to go either back to your outside back on that side or to the fullback on that side and then with the fullback you can try to do the you know thing that we all know works very well and get it towards the end line and look for a cutback because you can just play it straight across goal and you essentially have three attackers set up you can get a shot that way mm. but Oftentimes, you have to go from that fullback back to the center back, from that center back across to your like opposite center back or to the fullback. Like you're recycling possession deep. You're not recycling possession through the midfield because your two CMs will be outnumbered. Yeah. 
That makes sense. And I was interested to hear from you, Hugh, actually, what you made of it. And you've been playing the 3-4-2-1. So actually, a comparison between the two, considering they set up relatively uh, similar in some ways, um, what you made of both and your thoughts. Yeah, I would say that I definitely agree that it can be a little tricky if you're not able to hit on the counter that, you know, it can kind of break down a bit and you have to recycle the ball for a while. Um, I did find it pretty useful to go from either a wing back or outside center back to the opposite winger, like the long switch usually mm. is wide open um, just because, you know, the defense shifts over and the winger stays out there. So I thought that was pretty useful. Otherwise, I think the three, four, two, one that I've been using, which is more or less the same as Dr. Nightwatches, which is in the tactics bank in the discord. I think it was on like, yeah. one yeah. or two weeks ago on the gameplay pod. So fairly similar concept. Um, obviously the wide players start a bit narrower. I think that three, four, two, one is a little bit better for slower buildup because, um, you kind of have that front line of five and usually one of them is open if the opponent has a back four because they kind of each sit between players rather than right in front of someone. Um, so once you can get it to the front line, it's fairly simple to like work your way through. Um, it's not as good on the counter definitely. Um, and it's obviously a little less aggressive, just it's not as much of a pressing formation, but you probably could press more with it. But I think the five back is probably better for pressing because after the press wears off, or if you get beat, those outside players recover a little bit deeper, which is helpful. But yeah, I'm using it pretty much the same as what um, Dr. Nightwatch had. I put get in behind on the wide midfielders um, just to make them move a little bit more um, without triggering runs necessarily. And then sometimes if I'm against a certain opponent that's really countering with like a front line of four, say like a four triple two, I will put one side wide midfielder and the corresponding same side center forward, both on comeback. So then it kind of just morphs into a four four two. So explain that a bit more than... That's the benefit that you're looking for with those formations usually. Yeah. So how do you manage to do that? Yeah. Just for context, like what players are in those positions and then... What specifically are you doing in terms of instructions? Yeah, so for example, right now, since I have Kolasinac as my left center back, I think he'd probably do okay in like a left back zone. So I might have my right mid on comeback on defense who will then play as a right back. And then the two, the right center back and the center center back play as the right center back and left center back. And then the left center back plays as like a left back. Mm. So it just kind of shifts everyone back and across. Um, the left mid would stay as a left mid and then the right center forward who's also on comeback would then slot into like the right mid zone mm. and then you have the left center forward and the striker staying forward yeah actually i should run through my team because i didn't do it last week but also because i might have to do what you were suggesting there uh, here in terms of setting up as a back four because of a bit of an imbalance in the squad but i'll, I'll go through it and it might be useful for other people thinking about setting this up uh, quadrado is my right wing back the moment's version uh, prime maldini as the right center back and the sergio ramos flashback center center back carlos alberto the 90 version second best center back in the game after the 93 um at left center back but then martinelli having to play left wing back james that's yeah, uh, a problem it's not great uh, but moving on to the midfield Works really well. Shame it didn't work well for Manchester United. A flashback Pogba and Centurion's it's Fred. a ratty team, Ben. Yeah. And we haven't got to the forward line because it gets worse. Mbappe, uh, Ginola, 
and the Firmino is Jeez. pretty sweaty. It's also pretty untradeable. Firmino and Carlos Alberto are the only tradables on a road to glory. It's gone well so far this year. Um, but yeah, any thoughts on how that's set up? Any tips for people or me? I mean, Mbappe, I think, is probably like the ideal. I, I think I mentioned that to someone, but like Mbappe is like the ideal winger mm. in the setup. Yeah. Firmino to Mbappe pings were just stupid good, right? You just yeah. kind of get a little bit of space and play it through to him. I don't know if I would use Firmino in the middle, maybe. Yeah. Did you try that? I did try that. And as I said, I, I found he was really good out wide anyway. And when I put Janela wide, he was bad, to be honest. So I felt like I kind really? of... Really? Yeah. Well, because he's not actually that quick. I've got engine on him. And mm. he's not as threatening at running past players. Um, but he is good at linking the play and kind of uh, holding off centre-backs. Oh, there you go. Yeah, It's funny, actually, being a huge fan of five-star skills, I thought generally when I packed him would be just absolutely amazing. And actually, I don't know, I haven't really enjoyed him quite as much as I expected. I think some of his stats are a bit lacking, actually. And engine, you know, it causes some limitations, but seems the only way to go for me. Um, so it seems a shame to play Firmino out of position to some extent, just because Ginola can't play there. But um, apart from the Martinelli thing, Japes, though, any, any other changes to make uh, i think you'd be fine yeah seems so uh, josh anything on this you want to add it's definitely something I, I want to try it's interesting actually at five two two one was a go-to formation for me in like fifa 13 or 14 and every yeah. year it kind of felt like we'd start off and it was four one two one two or four four two or four two three one and by about this time actually I'd give 5-2-2-1 a go and go, God, that's a really good formation. No one mm. uses it. So it's definitely, I, I will definitely be giving it a try. Um, that moving to three centre-backs to counter the 4-3-2-1 is something I've had built into every tactic I've ever done. Even if I wanted to play slightly different, if I, w if I was playing against a 4-3-2-1 and being overrun, switching into a 3-5-2 is usually what I went to was just always my go-to switch up because once you can match up man for man it does feel like the defensive AI massively improves in tracking those players mm. kind of on a more general point it's nice that there are multiple tactics now that people can employ to it felt like we were going down a road that was like people are only ever going to use this tactic or this tactic and Actually, if three of you are now saying that this works against what are the meta tactics, it's nice that there's now something else that we can use. Um, mm. So well, it's, it's definitely something. I want to be, be clear. It How would I say this? Against, like, not an elite level, it works. And you have to be, like, pretty disciplined with like how it plays yeah also i got destroyed by a 4411 at one point i don't know whether you found this at <laughs> yeah. all there are certain formations i think which are a struggle i would say i also still think that like you're better off playing like a four triple two or a four three two one or something like that if you're trying to like just win mm. do, but one of the questions i would kind of have is do you tend to pick a tactic and that's just all you play or do you have... Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Totally. Right. Because yeah. for, for me, I, I play slightly slightly different to that where I'll have like three different tactics and I'll try and use the one that gets me the edge in the game or will we'll do something different in the game. So it's interesting that it's like, I don't know, but there's there's a almost a confidence in this is my tactic and this is what I'm going to try and kind of have fun with kind of thing. 
Well, I also think, you know, if you're trying to play like two or three very different tactics, you're going to end up having at least one or two players that aren't really the best fit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Before this, I was playing like, I was trying a 4 3 3 second variation. I was trying to use the same team I'm using right now. So, like, my midfield was Vieira, Fafana, and Zidane, which is like a very conservative midfield that, like, I was getting like no attacking production from whatsoever. Mm. And it just like didn't work, even though I know the tactic would work. Mm. And I think like, like obviously like you can have like a few variations, like five, two, two, one and three, four, two, one are basically the same thing or like four, three, three and four, three, two, one are very similar. Like, you know, there's like different ways you can do that. But say if like, if you're playing four, three, three and you have three attackers and three midfielders and then your secondary formations like four, four, two, now you might have, like a box to box playing as a wide mid or something. It just doesn't really make sense. That's why you have a Dirk Cout in the team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say, sometimes I'm like dead serious. No, no, <laughs> I know. I always have players like that. It's true. You can look out for the players that do work in both. And I was just going to add though, I think there is a difference because, you know, Japes and Hugh, you're both, you know, you're the top two NA players. So it's a different kind of context when you go into a match. You know, you're going to be like technically pretty comparable to your opponent, if not better. Whereas, like, say for, for Josh and myself, even though we're going to be top 100,000 players in Europe or whatever, <laughs> actually, you can get more of an edge or we can get more of an edge by changing tactic. That does make sense in a lot of situations. Like, you've probably found this, Josh. I can beat players that are better than me just by being tactically savvy. Yeah, 100%. Which I need because I'm not going to be as technically good. And if I change my formation to something which counters theirs quite comfortably, uh, a classic one is the the four one two one two narrow where I've almost always switched to a three four two one type tactic, and it's just yeah, it's it's a it's a completely different game compared to playing say if you're playing like a four four two variant or something like that, um, and you switch to that, you'll find it so much easier, and you'll beat players who are better than you. Um, obviously, there is a certain limit to that, but it, it helps hugely. So I do tend to have a couple of different options. I stuck to this over the weekend because I was interested to try a new tactic and play it against lots of different tactics, but. Uh, I definitely think there is an effectiveness to playing a number of different formations. The one thing to say, though, is if you only ever play, say, the 4-2-3-1 or 4-4-2, and that's what you stick to for like the whole cycle, you're going to be at an advantage because you know the tactics so well. Um, so there is like different <laughs> ways to approach this, I suppose. There was, there was uh, a year where I played like 4-3-3 or bust, mm. like the 4-3-3 brackets 2 or bust. That was it. And... I basically had four different 4-3-3 setups based on what my opponent was doing mm. um, or the formation they were playing with just different instruct- instructions to like tactically counter it. Like the most simple being putting my CDM on man mark if it was a 4-2-3-1. Mm. Like, and all of a sudden the cam was totally negated. So, you know, that, but that comes with just playing that formation, right? If you're just playing that, you're like, okay, well, I know exactly how they're going to try to attack. And here's what I can do within this setup to counteract that. So, I, I mean, there are definitely benefits to that as well. Yeah, yeah. I have this one opponent who I faced a few times in Weekend League recently, and he plays 5-2-1-2. Um, and his strikers are Team of the Year Erling Holland and Honorable Mentions Kane. And he actually plays Kane with an anchor <laughs> because it's the only way, I guess, to make Kane lengthy while actually boosting his pace. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But basically, the reason that this guy is like such a problem is that really all he does is play it out wide to his wingbacks and then 
ping over the top through balls for these lengthy players, and they just constantly beat the center backs. Mm. And I faced them a few times, so I've been trying to think about like why it's so effective, even though I like know it's coming. And I try to you know switch to a center back and track the run, and it kind of works. But I think the thing is that we've discussed this in terms of depth in the past, where it doesn't really matter what your depth is in a sense, because say the say if I have the ball by my goal my opponent's center backs will be at the halfway line like regardless yeah like it, it doesn't, doesn't matter if you have when you have the ball that's important yeah. yeah like it doesn't matter like you know if it's one or a hundred like the center backs will naturally push up eventually if the ball is up the field and then it's more to do with once the ball moves out of the defensive half and up the field like how quickly they will push back up um, but if like, say you're attacking and you lose the ball, your center backs are going to be up no matter what. And I think the reason that the five back in this case, and maybe it can work for Japes as well, because of like how good the counter is, is that I think that you're spending more time with the ball deeper just because you have more players further back. Like say you pass it to the center back, to another center back, to a wing back, like you're not necessarily moving up the pitch that quickly, even though you like you are, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like you're still in your own half. Like you're, the ball is with your back line. So unless you're like sprinting forward with a defender, even if you might be countering and opening up angles, the opponent's defensive line isn't really moving. Like it's still staying high up because you haven't moved the ball to players that are further up the pitch. And I think that that's why it opens up so much space on the counter. Like when you play into the middle, like I found so many times where I'm, you know, like halfway up, my own half like I'm outside of the box and the opponent's defenders have like barely moved back mm. and I play it into the striker and there's just a winger running into tons of space and I like just going off my experience I just wonder if that's kind of the advantage you get with the five back on the counter it's less about being able to defend deep and you know have all these players back and counter it's because in my opinion that you are forcing the opponent's back line to stay higher than they normally would for longer and then you have more space to run into. Well, yeah, and you mentioned him having those lengthy strikers, right? And I do think it's that thing of as these lengthy forwards become more complete and more usable, apart from being lengthy, uh, more to their game and get more acceleration, they're starting to be good at beating for pace those center backs who are lengthy but have lower acceleration, which a lot of people use. So I think that might become more of a thing. Uh, anything to add there, Hugh, on this? I would also just say if your opponent is pressing, like press after possession loss, I think having a five back is really helpful then too, because say they're playing four, three, two, one. Now two midfielders or wing backs have to push all the way up to cover the wing backs mm. that you have because you have five players so deep. So they have to push more players further forward to press you. And it automatically happens. Like you can't say, like, don't press the wing backs or something. And if for any reason they're slow to do so, then they're just wide open for an outlet mm. ball. But, you know, if they're pressing, I think it's really useful because they're just getting dragged out all over the place. Unless they're playing, say, 3-4-2-1, where they would naturally have those five players already mm. forward. Do you think you might use that 5-2-2-1 as a, a variant of the 3-4-2-1 to basically be more press resistant? I think so. I think, you know, especially for like late game situations when I know someone's going to press and I know that it's good on the counter, Mm. I think it could be really useful. If that's like the reason I'm using it, I might make some tweaks like having one of the center mids stay back or like 
taking off press after possession loss, just like if I'm using it to close out, but I've been using it just like mm. throughout the game as well. Nice. Yeah, good to know. We should move on to talking about this to finish the podcast. And that is probably the most important thing you can talk about. Actually, it's connection. Uh, a few reasons. We've had this question from Alex M. He says, one of the most common complaints among the player base is inconsistent gameplay in quotes, heavy gameplay, players in the mud, etc. I'm far from the best player in the Discord, but very, very rarely, if ever, experienced this, even with a ping that's always 22 or 26. Do the top players really consider this to be a thing, or ducks, is it an excuse? Well, uh, one thing we can definitely say is that it's not an excuse if you're using Wi-Fi to connect, uh, and that's really important to state. And also it's important to state a few people I've seen say in the past, I'm on Ethernet, and actually it turns out they're connecting wirelessly because what they're plugged into is connected wirelessly. So we'll say Ethernet on the, the console, but you are connecting via wireless because the wireless connection is bridging to your Ethernet, basically. So that's important to state. Um, but the biggest gameplay tip you can give anyone is to do whatever you can to play on Ethernet rather than Wi-Fi. The difference is absolutely crazy. Every now and again, I have to play on Wi-Fi because I don't know, I'm somewhere else, uh, not home, or I actually take a long Ethernet cable with me. So if I go away, I plug it in and just trail it through the house when I'm actually playing games, right? And it just makes such a big difference. And you see whenever you play on Wi-Fi how different it is. Uh, your inputs don't come through in time. Um, the input timings constantly change. Um, you can't get good response times for what you're trying to do and it makes things much more difficult. People who've been on a Wi-Fi connection for a long time probably won't really realize what benefit they'll be getting from switching to Ethernet and how huge it is. I would encourage you maybe to move your setup to next to your router, just plug in via Ethernet and see what is possible there um, and then start taking steps if you can to get a wide connection. Something, Japes, you went through recently because you moved, right? Gosh, my Wi-Fi connection would go anywhere. It would sometimes say it was at like 15 ping and would you then like you could watch it on the screen it'll spike and if you do the like ea connection thing it would spike to like 60 out of like out of nowhere super inconsistent and you're just sort like you'd see a little red thing come up on the screen too and you'd be like oh my gosh this is like it's just a disaster and you're just at such like an extreme disadvantage doing that like i've played on wired connections and there's like different versions of wired connections. There's like you're plugging straight into the like original modem or router mm. that like the cable company or fiber company or whatever would give you. And that's like perfect. That is what you want. If you can't do that, then there are other variations where you, you know, right now I think we've got like a modem that goes to a router. And that router, I had to like the house we moved into has. It was built in like the early 2000s. So it has cable, like the traditional like cable stuff, like wired to every room. Yeah, that's the one so I got these like things. satellite connections, right? To TV. Yeah, you, yeah, like you used to plug your TV yeah. into it. Exactly. And I there are these things called like Mocha adapters. And so I ran a Mocha adapter from my like router through the like main cable line in the house. And that I can run directly then to my office or slash gaming area so it's wired but it's not like excellent wired but the improvement with that is still massive like now i'm sitting at like 20 mm. stable 
And that is the big thing that's important to say, is it is actually the stability of the connection that's more important than the ping. People get carried away as well with ping, thinking that that's the thing you need to look for, because obviously it shows in game, people are aware of it. But actually, for me, the bigger factors are jitter and packet loss. Packet loss is horrendous. That basically means you're often not sending your input, because every now and again, packets are lost and your button press isn't registering. Yeah, Jitter is also really bad because it's changing your ping constantly. And so that means your timings are always going to be inconsistent and you're always going to be slightly off in terms of when you're trying to time things and when that input is actually being registered. So ping, it's important, but what you really want is stability. And the only way you're going to get that is really by wiring to your router somehow. And then there are other things you can look at like uh, ISP, etc. But we'll potentially talk more about this in the future. Interesting to know, the person who asked the question, I got to send me their score for their connection, which you can find if you go to bit.ly slash FIFA net test. So that's bit.ly slash FIFA net test. You can sign in with your EA account and it will give you your score, things like that. If you look at the match history, that will help in terms of seeing these numbers. Um, But essentially, I asked him to send me his and I think the reason why he doesn't get heavy gameplay is because unfortunately his gameplay is always quite heavy. He's got 0.11% packet loss um, and 1.2 MS jitter, sometimes up to 2 MS jitter. This can actually be kind of hard to avoid. You could change provider, um, which I did once and because I was then on a provider which had its own equipment at my local exchange and they uh, weren't particularly used by people in the area meant that I had a really, really, really low jitter uh, compared to what I had before. Uh, anything else people want to add on this? I mean, uh, I I also moved house recently and the the third thing I did before moving in was to run an Ethernet cable from the router like at the box all the way like through the house to my office because mm. it is night and day. I've also done the you know, plugging into a wireless extender, you kind of plug it into the wall and it extends it. And so again, you're on an Ethernet connection, but it's still at the mercy of the wireless. Now, that is more stable than just playing from the wireless system within the console itself. But from a gameplay perspective, it's massive. I also, I know for some people, this isn't an option because the matchmaking would take too long, but crossplay has very often caused my gameplay to not be very good and when i've checked the score which is something you told me about and i didn't know was possible and i would advise everybody if they feel like they've had a heavy match or bad gameplay go Mm. and check your connection score because like more often than not it is worse than most of the other games you've played it's not a it's not placebo it's not an excuse it's a legitimate thing where you can see your connection was worse and i very often find my crossplay matches have worse connections so it's something to bear in mind if you have the ability to turn off crossplay it would be something i would suggest yeah the other option for people i don't think we've mentioned so far is power line adapters which basically run the ethernet connection through your power lines in your house that can be very very good and provide you with Certainly an improvement over Wi-Fi, that's without a doubt. Um, but sometimes you can have a bit of like latency and issues with jitter, uh, depending on the wiring in your house. And also if you uh, are in a shared building where other people may be able to get to your power lines themselves, um, maybe it's, it's a shared uh, apartment of flats or something, um, especially older ones, then you need to be aware that that connection could be shared with other people, which is obviously a security risk. So look out for that. Um, but I think that 
will hopefully help people. If you want even more help, if you want kind of a, a breakdown of this tool that we've been talking about uh, online, then there is a special episode, um, a supporter episode, which I did with a, a server and networking expert where we talk about all this sort of stuff in depth and it's helped a lot of people. So you can find that if you go to bit.ly slash delay pod. So that's bit.ly slash delay pod. And I think on that, we're, we're ready to wrap up. Hugh's kept quiet because he has ridiculously low jitter and that's why he's a top two NA player. That's true. Um, that's, a, that's a secret. <laughs> so uh, what is it? 0.01 or something a lot of the time or something like that? Crazy. Yeah, it's almost non-existent. I haven't checked in a while because it's not really an issue. But uh, to your point, <laughs> you know, it's my ping is typically, it used to be like 14 to 16. This year it's more like, 18 even to 30 but like the connection isn't really any worse mm. just because the jitter mm. and pack of loss don't happen so great well yeah it was good to get out of the way so I, I realized i kind of bombarded people with loads of information there um but i'm aware we're tight for time so i wanted to get it out there um there's plenty more information out there for people to look up as well and uh there's a, a channel dedicated to it in the supporter discord as well if people want to check that out right Thank you very much, Hugh. Uh, first of all, good to have you back on the Gameplay Pod. Yeah, thank you for having me again. Uh, good to be on. And uh, if anyone has any you know, questions, want to reach out on Twitter at WhoBear with zeros instead of O's, H00Bear. Also in the Discord, feel free to reach out. Nice. And we've also had Josh as well. Thank you for popping on the Gameplay Pod. Yeah, no problem. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to trying out this new formation. Yeah, and that's in Newsletter 21, Japes, which people can find at uh, P2P, the number two. Uh, p2psnacks.substack.com Nice, and thank you very much for coming on. Cheers. Thank you, and thanks to all the listeners out there for listening. I was going to say, actually, uh, you can't leave comments on podcast feeds, so it's been nice, you know, putting the podcast on YouTube because people can leave comments there. So if you fancy commenting on the podcast, then do head over to the YouTube channel. It helps if you could listen to, you know, for the algorithm, uh, for the listen time. And if you, of course, like and subscribe as well. Um, but if you want an extra podcast every week, uh, if you're not yet a supporter, then you know, maybe consider supporting just £3 a month and you get double the podcast content every week, including next week's gameplay podcast. And you can do that by searching support for weekly or going to the link in the description or going to bit.ly slash more pod. Right. Thank you very much to all those supporters. As I said, keeping this podcast going and to those icon patrons. Dave B, Hugh J, Coach Vass, DJ FIFA Player, Alan G, Alistair, Anthony R, Dominic P, Rob P, Jeff B, Stephen F, Tom B, Damon H, David S, Nick Jack M, Eric T, Neil P, Adam G, Dan W, Waterman, Jake G, Roger D, Springford, Alec, Bracco, Nishant, Harry P, Alex M, Lee A, Brendan W, Andrew C, Joe W, Timothy J, Dylan, Adam R, Sam K, Graham W, Andy, Ads H2K, and Brian V. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Plus a special thanks to Luke M, Dave B, Hugh J, Tom M, Darren W and Pato Foot for advice and production assistance. 
Before I leave you, just one more thing to add, though. FIFA's a bit like life, really. It has its many ups and its many downs. If you're having a few more downs than ups in real life in these more difficult times, then please don't feel that you're alone or need to struggle on without taking action. If you go to thecalmzone.net, there's loads of resources, advice, support, or even just a friendly chat for anyone who needs it. If it sounds like it could help you, then head over to thecalmzone.net. And for now, have a good one, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today, because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Sports Social Podcast Network.